Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in as we continue the discussion on the Great Commission. As we're all doing our part individually, we're creating a movement, a missions movement, in which we are doing our best in our area of influence to reach others with the gospel. Now, we could call it Mukga, which making the Great Commission great again. I don't know if there's any copyright infringement on that. We'll have to check, but I think it could trend on Twitter. But regardless, the truth remains in that the Great Commission is something that we need to be involved in. It's important, and we need to start paying attention. I'm Damon Matichera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It is good to be back. Uh, and as we look at this topic of the Great Commission, uh, there's a lot to say. But before we get there, just a quick update on where we are and what is going on. We've been back in Zambia for a little over half a year now since we finished our last furlough, and we've been busy. We have been busy. Uh, every week we're going out to the village, to Chiambikezo and Pingua Baptist, our first church plant here, and we're trying to empower the local believers, especially the leadership, um, these, these men, these women who have chosen to, to live for Christ. Um, and we're trying to show them that they can do it, that God has given them the tools to live their faith, even in an environment such as the one that they are in. You say, what kind of environment is that? Well, it's a pretty depraved environment, a, a pretty uh, evil environment. Uh, and I say that with as much love as I can muster. <laughs> but, but really, uh, so much of the fabric of that village society works in direct opposition to our faith and to what we believe in the Word of God. There is so much witchcraft that is infused in the culture there that, I mean, almost everything has a foundation uh, with spiritism, with animism, um, with all of these different elements that once you're, you're, you learn about, you're like, wow. Um, and it's difficult, it's frustrating, and it's even discouraging for those who live there. And they're Christians, they want to live their faith, but I mean, they're opposed. There is such a spirit of opposition um, from, from different unbelievers, from all the, the witchcraft that is going on. Pray for the believers there, pray for us as we continue to go out weekly, uh, to support them so that they can continue the ministry that God has for them in that village area. Now, on the other flip side of the coin, we are also involved in Hope Bible Baptist Church, a new city church plant here in the city of Chipata. And that is going really well. Um, it is a joy to be involved in this uh, English ministry where we're able to speak in our native tongue, um, whereas in the village we are speaking in Chichewa, but in this city ministry, one of the joys and the, the beautiful things about it is that our children are, are able to be involved, they're able to participate, um, our families are incorporated, and it, it has been such a joy to really lead people to the Lord, to be discipling them, getting to know people in the city in which we live. Um, pray for the believers here. Different challenges in each ministry. Each one has a different dynamic, um, but watching God work in both and watching the believers rise um, above these challenges and to grow in their faith is really what it's all about. 
Now, a lot of people have been praying for our family since we've come back to Zambia. Thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, without you, without you praying for us, uh, where would we be? I have no idea. Um, we, we really need your continued prayers uh, for our family. Uh, pray for our health. Pray for Lisa as she is still kind of battling those post-COVID symptoms and trying to move forward from that. Um, we really need those prayers and we covet them. Um, the family as well, the children are active and involved in school, the church. Um, so all in all, everything is going great and we're excited about being part of the work here in Hope Zambia. But now as we look at the topic for today in the show on the Great Commission, you know, a lot can be said about the Great Commission. And a lot has already been said. Um, I understand that. But the Great Commission needs to be something that is affecting every area of our life. It's not just a program. When we look at the Great Commission as a program, we get burnt out on it. Um, it's like when you are singing a hymn way too much and you get burnt out. It's like when you look at Christmas in May. You would never do that. Be you know, you're like, we just finished Christmas. Why are we doing it again? <laughs> we just went through all the stress of the gift giving and finding out which present is for who. And, and he didn't want his present. And we have to make all these returns. You know, the Great Commission, many people look at it in a similar light. When, we, when it's brought up, when the topic is approached, they're like, uh, is it missions conference? Uh, are we having a missionary? Why are we talking about the Great Commission again? But here's the thing. Don't look at it as a program. Don't look at the Great Commission as an attachment that you need to drag along with you everywhere you go. The Great Commission needs to be infused into your life. It needs to be part of your worldview so that everywhere you go and in everything that you are, it is incorporated in every action, in every thought. It, it, it controls who you are and, and where you go and how you talk and who you're with. All of this should be affected by our desire to share our faith. The Great Commission is not a seasonal thing. It's not about you know, oh, well, let me just do my duty, my obligation. Uh, we have the missions conference time. We have a missionary in once a month. That is our part in the Great Commission. There is so much more uh, that's involved in the Great Commission. There, it is so uh, vast a topic, such a multi-layered topic, and I think that we can learn a lot if we would just open our eyes and maybe, just maybe, reevaluate it in a way that we have never done before. But the, the Great Commission is something that we need to be involved in, that you need to be involved in. And the call to follow Jesus, to follow him with this Great Commission, is simply the call to obey Christ. It's a call to go and to make disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, the Bible says, uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we know that the Great Commission is about telling others about Jesus, but do we fully understand these words? Or do we just think we know everything about the topic? We've memorized the verse, we've heard the messages, we've heard the preaching on the topic, 
Is there anything else to learn? Is there any other avenue to look at in which we have not looked at this topic? We need to, we need to go back. I think we need to break down this topic and go back to the basics because we have, we have just really complicated it to the point where you know, every, everyone knows about it, but we're not actually living it out. How can we achieve this goal to reach our world, to reach our area of influence with the gospel? Well, let me just say, number one, we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional. Now, intentionality is something that we are quite familiar with because we are intentional in almost every area of our life except for perhaps the things of God, except for when it comes time to be involved in the Great Commission. We know how to multitask, to delegate, how to organize, how to carry out a systematic plan when it comes to managing time and going to work, shopping, hanging out with friends, all of these different things, fellowshipping, going to church. We know how to do it. We are intentional. But how intentional are we with our witness? How intentional are you with the ministry that God has called you to? You know, there was a man that I was talking to one time, and we were talking about evangelizing, and he said to me, he said, Damon, he said, I just don't have the gift. I don't have the gift of evangelizing. I'm glad that you do, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not called to that. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. This is just something I'm not really led to do. Well, my reply to that, really, and I don't know what I told him at the time. I'm, I'm probably being a little more harsh today. <laughs> but, hey, listen, it's not your gift. You know, if, if evangelizing is not your gift, then what is, like, breathing to the body, evangelism to the Christian? It, it's really one and the same. I mean, you cannot say that evangelism is not something that you're gifted in. I mean, maybe there are some people that they are more gifted in uh, public speaking and more really expounding the scriptures. But the truth is that every one of us need to be involved in the Great Commission. Hey, remember, remember that movement that we just got done talking about, making the Great Commission great again? Well, it's not going to become a movement if you're not involved. <laughs> so be intentional. Be intentional with where you go and how you talk to people. You know, you can talk to people in a way that opens doors. A lot of people today, a lot of people today are just waiting for the door of opportunity to open. And they've been waiting for years. And they say, you know what, I feel like my, my faith it's something that is personal, and I don't want to push it on other people. Uh, I want to be respectful of others. And so if the door opens, then, yeah, maybe I'm going to share my faith, but I'm going to wait for that to happen. And until that happens, that is when I will get involved. Listen, you know what I say? I say break the door down. Break down that door of opportunity. <laughs> but listen, if you're intentional, if you're intentional, you're going to know how to navigate opportunities to create opportunities so that you can share your faith. You're going to have a purpose and you're going to be doing things on purpose to achieve that goal, just like you do with everything else. Now, just do it for God. Live out your faith in the same way that you live for yourself. <laughs> so the Great Commission, listen, the Great Commission is about knowledge. 
And you say, what does this got to do with anything? It's about knowledge. And this is a really important point that we need to get a hold of. Because you cannot be intentional if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> it sounds pretty basic, but it's true. You cannot fulfill your purpose for which God has called you if you have no knowledge, if you don't have a clue with how to do anything that you're supposed to do. It's when you have that knowledge that you're able to go out and tell people about Christ. Now, here's the problem, is that if you're a Christian, if you have received Jesus Christ, then you should have that knowledge. It is something that you should already have. Uh, you know, it should be there because who was the one who believed in your life? Who, who believed when you received your salvation? Well, the answer to that is you. Of course, it was you. Well, if you were the one who believed, what did you believe? Well, you say, I believe the gospel. Well, then explain that to other people in a way that they can understand. Now, this doesn't come naturally to everyone. But you may need to practice. Uh, we have a discipleship program in our church here, uh, here in Chapada, that is, in Zambia. And one of our lessons that we teach our disciples is how to tell their testimony. Okay, the things that they should do and the things that they should not do and what they need to remember as they're telling how they accepted Christ. But if you accepted Christ yourself, then you have a testimony. And it doesn't need to be as glamorous as maybe some of the other testimonies that you have heard. I mean, a lot of times it's intimidating because you're hearing all of these grand and glorious testimonies of people and you're like, man, mine is not that grand and that glorious. Mine is just kind of boring. Mine's kind of normal. I was convicted. I grew up in church and I thought I was saved and I realized I wasn't. <laughs> That's kind of my testimony. But you know, there are a lot of people in my situation, in, my, in that phase of life where they grew up in that same environment, thinking they were saved. And so the Lord may use my boring testimony <laughs> to speak to someone because that's where they are. And so God wants to use you. God wants to use your testimony because there are people exactly where you are, exactly maybe where you were. So what is the Great Commission about? It's about a transference, a transferring of knowledge. In Matthew 28, what did Jesus say? Teach all nations. There's that element of teaching. Okay, again, you have to know, you have to have knowledge if you are going to be teaching. He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we have two things going on here. Number one is that, again, you're teaching. So you have to know how to, to take information, how to take knowledge, and how to give it to other people. But number two, it says teaching them to observe, observe what? All things whatsoever I have commanded you. So this kind of brings us back to, well, what are the things that Jesus commanded us? Well, when talking about the gospel, hey, we are saved by grace through faith. We need to receive the righteousness of God, which is by faith. We need to submit ourselves to his righteousness and not going about to establish our own righteousness. These are the things that he has commanded us. Now, the, the Bible is full of other things that he's commanded us. Do you have that knowledge? Do you know what you believe? Do you... Uh, are you ready to transfer that knowledge that you have so that people can
can hear and respond to the gospel. You know, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, uh, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's lack of knowledge, and, and uh, that's killing God's people. Lack of knowledge. If we don't have knowledge, we're not giving knowledge. If we're not giving knowledge, then people are not hearing the gospel. And there goes our whole Great Commission movement, the, the what do we call it, Magaga or something like that, making the Great Commission great again, however you want to pronounce that. But here's the thing. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.3. And you don't need to look there. I'm going to read it to you. But if, you know, if, if, we, if we have this knowledge, if we're without this knowledge, then you're not going to be in a position to give it. Paul said, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Paul was giving out something that he, he received himself. But if you haven't received the gospel, then you're in no position to give it out. If you haven't yet responded to what God is doing in your life, then how do you expect to help other people respond in a similar way? That's just something that's not going to happen. And so why are, are, why are Christians not getting actively involved in the Great Commission? Well, I think there are some people that they're not saved. They think they're saved, but they're not in a position to give out a message that they're not in possession of. And then number two, there are Christians who are truly saved, but they're without, they're without knowledge. They are without understanding. They can't even explain what happened to them. You know, we are being inundated today with information. We're talking about knowledge, right, and how God's people are void of knowledge. But the world knows that knowledge is important. And we are being inundated with secular reason, secular reasoning. We are being inundated with worldly philosophy. And the church is failing to raise disciples in this generation and in the next. You know, what do we see on TV all the time? You watch a movie and you can't even watch a movie without, you know, some kind of message being thrown at you. You know, some kind of left-wing propaganda that is being hammered down on you that goes against our faith and goes against what we believe, but it's there. We, you know, we look at the educational department in uh, just the curriculum and the message that is being pushed on students today. It's so anti-God. What is the world doing? They are discipling. They are giving knowledge. It's not good knowledge, but they're discipling. It's their form of discipleship. Look at entertainment today, whether through the TV or movies or music. It all has a message. Look at politics. What, what, are, what do we see even more, more so right now? We see uh, people that are moving away from the Word of God and they're moving away from uh, the authority that our country has stood on for years and now they are they're redefining everything. They're, they're making their own authority. They're making their own truth. They're living out their own truth and God is not part of it. And this is what's happening. And so the world today is being looked at as reliable, as relatable, as relevant. The world is looking like the guy that has everything put together. Meanwhile, the church is looked at as out of touch, as outdated, as antiquated. Those old-fashioned people in church, they just don't understand the real world. 
And that's what, that's what is going on. There is a shift in culture right now, a shift in knowledge in which everything is being redefined and the things that have been established are being just thrown away and something new is coming out of the confusion. <laughs> and it is a lot of confusion. And so in response, we have created a bubble. We've created a bubble to live in outside the world, thinking that our children are going to flourish and choose the same path that we did in this little bubble that we have created. But that's not happening. And more and more people are leaving the faith that they grew up in. More and more we're seeing these, these children, these youth, that back in the day they grew up in church and then as they matured and as they got older, they left the church, they left their faith. Why? Because they were discipled, not by the church, not by the followers of Christ, but they were discipled by the world. And why should we be surprised when they choose to follow the world instead of God? In many ways, we've taught our children that they are the end all, that they're the solution and the answer to the problems that we have today in the church and throughout the world, that they can help, that they're gonna be the future that we want. You know, I think we all would admit that we live in such a wicked world, that we live in a, a pretty crazy planet when everything is being reevaluated, rethought, reexamined, and redefined. And we're putting stock in that this next generation is going to pick up where we left off. But can I just say, that's not happening. We're not actually seeing that in our churches today. We're seeing that this generation and the next are leaving church. And we've learned from this that merely living in an echo chamber is not persuading people of truth. People today are talking about living out their own truth. The truth is under such attack today because everyone is redefining it. And they're saying that truth is, is relative. Your truth is your own and my truth is mine. And how many times have you heard people say, I don't need to go to church to find God. I don't need to go to church to find truth. I was talking to one man last week and he was saying how he doesn't need church and he, it, the church was full of hypocrites and so he was just going to avoid church and worship God in his own home because he's a Christian and he has direct access to God, right? So why not just, you no, know, that's not how it works, okay? You need to be in church. You need that encouragement from other believers. Listen, you need accountability. Believing is a choice, but it's a choice that we're not preparing others to make. We're not discipling others to follow Jesus. Maybe we're discipling others in our church to follow the same rituals that we've been following throughout our lifetime. Maybe we're discipling others to follow the same church traditions that we've loved and upheld. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But ritual and tradition, that's one thing. And having a relationship with God, that's another thing. The unbelieving world is discipling our children and this generation because we are failing to do so. And the world is not hiding their intentions. They're very clear. I mean, make no mistake, they are, are coming for your children. They are coming for this generation and the next, and they're doing a good job. They are winning. Many churches today seem to be in survival mode. 
trying their best just to keep their doors open, just to stay afloat. And while the American church attempts to maintain the status quo, the world is gaining and winning minds and hearts. You know, the status quo is not enough. It never was. Maintaining the status quo is like just prolonging defeat. We need to live in the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Maintaining the status quo, since whenever did the church in the past just maintain status quo? We need, we're, we're more than conquerors. We have so much from God. He has given us his spirit to accomplish his work. We are to be witnesses where we are and around the world, and he would never have told us to do this if we didn't have the tools and his power to do so. There was an article written last year uh, by Gallup out of Washington, D.C. I want to read it to you. It's kind of interesting. Looking at some of the numbers of people leaving the church, it says, Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque, down from 50% in 2018 and 70% in 1999. So we're talking about Americans going to a form of church. I know this is you know, outside Christianity, even including Islam, but I think you can agree that even numbers are down in our, our circle of Baptist churches. But looking at 1999, with everyone going to church up to the year 2020, there's a, a, a negative 23-point drop in the amount of people that even want to be members in churches. 23 points, 70% of all America in church and members in 1999 to 2020, down to 47%, 47%. People today, they just, they don't want to commit. They don't want to say, this is my church, that I believe church is important, that I believe God is working through the church, that the church is an authority in my life. People don't believe. They just don't believe. Maybe, though, because they haven't been taught. The decline in church membership is primarily a function of the increasing number of Americans who express no religious preference. Over the past two decades, the percentage of Americans who do not identify with any religion has grown from 8% in 1998 to 21% over the past three years. These are people who just don't want to identify with any religion. They have no religious preference, and that percentage, that has gained 13 points from 8% in 1998 to 21% in the last couple of years. They just, not only are they not going to church, but now they've just abandoned all forms of faith altogether. Do you see the decline that is happening in this generation? And the next one, this is really good here. Well, it's not good, but it's interesting. It's important to know. Church membership is strongly correlated with age. As 66% of traditionalists 
U.S. adults born before 1946, those are our grandparents, belong to a church compared with 58% 58, 58 of baby boomers, 50% of those in Generation X, and 36% of millennials. So from our grandparents to today's generation, there's a negative 30 points in church membership. Our grandparents, they went to church because they felt it was important. Today, the youth, it's that Generation X and the millennials, they have left the church. They've just, they're done. They are done. We lost them. We have prioritized uh, the ritual and the tradition in a greater way than we've prioritized the relationship with God. And, and they just, they don't see the point. They don't understand why church is important. They don't, they don't feel like they're missing out. They can easily just go stay home and, you know, live stream some, you know, online church, some networked community of faith, some non-denominational organization that has a message that will make them feel good. The article continues. In addition to Protestants, declines in church membership are proportionally smaller among political conservatives, Republicans, married adults, and college graduates. These groups tend to have among the highest rates of church membership. So all of that said, there is like a subdivision here, a smaller decline of people that are leaving the church with groups of people that have been taught. Groups of people that I believe, they have that knowledge in a way they've been discipled. Number one, among conservative Republicans. If you're gonna be a conservative uh, today, then it's a choice. I mean, you, you just don't choose, I'm gonna be politically conservative. That means that it's a worldview for you. You've been thinking about it, and this is a decision that reflects what you believe. Because today, it seems like the default, especially in the millennials, it's going to follow the left-wing uh, left political party. Also, with married adults, people that have life experience, people that value the structure of a family and a home. We have college graduates that have learned knowledge. Now, I don't advocate for all colleges as they can do more harm than good, but still, what, what is the common trend here is that those who have been discipled and they have knowledge, there's been a transferring of knowledge, they've made choices in their own life, they are less likely to quit. But those who are just out there and they're not really connected to a community, they don't really maybe even care about what's going on, they're more, they're more likely to just quit altogether on their faith. And we see that so much with this generation. So think about it. The Great Commission is about knowledge. We live in an era of information, don't we? I mean, if there, we have so much information. They say that this generation is the most educated generation ever. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, knowledge has never been more accessible, but at the same time, Christians today are more ignorant in their knowledge of God and his word I believe, than in any other time since the death of Christ in the last 2,000 years. 
What are people actually believing today if they can't even explain what happened to them? If they don't know how to define justification or the difference between grace and mercy, repentance, the gospel, propitiation, God's righteousness versus man's righteousness. For all the knowledge that we have today, why are Christians so confused? Why are we so lost in being able to share our faith and knowing what to say, being able to open the Bible and to show them, hey, this is what the Bible says about life. The church has stopped being relevant today because we've stopped having answers for today's problems. You know, having answers is, is a really important thing for the Christian because we claim to have the source of all of life's answers. We claim that we have a standard and a foundation on which we can stand, on which we can base every decision. We claim that the Bible is our final authority in all matters of life and practice. So either the Bible is true or it's not. Either we believe the Bible is really the word of God or we don't. And so if the Bible is that authority, then why are we gonna take um, an academic approach to the answers that we are giving people today in the world? Why are we gonna take an intellectual approach? When we look at topics like abortion, why are we gonna look at that and go off about, you know, about rights and the Constitution? Really, abortion is morally wrong because we believe in the sanctity of life. We believe that life is precious. And how do we believe in the sanctity of life? Because we believe that all mankind is created in the image of God. And we get that from the Bible. That is a foundational truth from the Word of God. And so our stand needs to be on God's Word. This needs to be the basis of every answer that we give. I think that that generation that we've been talking about, they're watching us. They're watching us. They're, they're really wanting to know if we believe what we preach. They want to know if all of these answers that we have, are they just made up or do they come from a place of truth? And they want to know, is it worth it? If we're going to, to really hold true to our faith and be opposed by this world, to be blacklisted by society, is it worth it? You know, when we look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible says, And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Okay, listen, don't be troubled, don't be afraid. And if you're going to suffer because of your stand as a Christian, because you're active in the Great Commission, preaching the gospel of Christ, count it a joy that you are worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. But, look at verse 15, 1 Peter chapter 3, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are you ready? Right now, as you're tuned in to this podcast, are you ready with an answer? People are watching you. People are listening to you. This generation that is walking out the door, literally, they are exiting the church, probably not coming back. They're waiting 
for someone to have a real answer. They're waiting for someone to, to do something that is based on the Bible that really believes what they preach. You know, and a lot of times all we can say to this generation is that, hey, you just got to stay in church. You just got to gotta stick with it. We've made Christianity about fulfilling that ritual, that tradition, but we need to refocus and point people to Christ. Christianity has always been about pointing people to Jesus. Yes, we believe that church is important. I believe in the institution of the church. We need to be in church. We need to uh, have an authority, a spiritual authority. I believe uh, in the role of the pastor. I believe that we are responsible to honor the man of God. All of this is true, but at the same time, we need to remember that the church is a product, is a result of the discipleship process. When Jesus uh, was talking to his disciples for the last time, he looked at them and he said, listen, go, make disciples. He said, teach all nations. He didn't tell them, hey, go start as many churches as you can. That wasn't the command. That's not the, the focus of the Great Commission. It's not whoever has the most churches wins. It's about winning souls to Christ, pointing people to Christ, making disciples of all nations. That is the purpose of your church right there in the heart of America. And that is the purpose of my church right here in Chapada, in Zambia, Africa. And if churches are not fulfilling the role for which God has put them together, then what are we doing? What are we doing? We might as well just take up some hobby because we're just wasting our time. If all we're going to do is what we've always done and we're not willing to change and we're not willing to, to look at where we are and to say maybe we need to, to refocus, maybe we need to go back to Christ and to refocus our efforts and to refocus the, our very motives as we approach the Great Commission, then what are we doing? Listen, I hope that we can even evaluate on, on an individual level Remember that, that movement, uh, let's make the Great Commission great again. It's based on individuals doing what they can. And as we all try to focus in our own life, that creates a missions movement. But have you considered today all the people that have invested in you? How many people have invested in your life and have brought you to where you are today? Without their investment, where would you be? I mean, I know that I have people in my life and I can't even imagine where I would be today without the input that they have had in my life. It's really important. But you probably know Christ today because someone told you, because someone transferred knowledge, directly or indirectly. And now today, put yourself in that position. Are you transferring that knowledge to somebody else? Are you discipling others in the ways of Christ? Are you raising up a generation to love God, to follow him, to prioritize his word? What did Paul say? He said, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. As you follow Christ, 
Who are you bringing with you? Who are you bringing with you? I hope you're not alone. I hope that it's not just you. If all we have is you know, just ourselves, maybe our family, then yeah, that's good. But I want much more than that. And I'm sure you do too. Because we want to influence people around us with the gospel. I want my children to follow Christ. I want my family to follow Christ together. But I want us to have a much greater influence on the world so that we can bring many more people along. And what are we doing with them? We're not pointing them to what we think church should be and how it should look, but we're pointing them back to Jesus. We're saying, listen, we're just following Jesus. Do you want to follow us? We're, we're just following God as he leads us by his word. Do you want to join us? This needs to be our message. It's a great message. You can't go wrong with it. It's what the early church, what they were doing, and it's what we need to do today. We need to go back to a time when the gospel was about Christ. The Great Commission is such a multi-layered topic, and I believe we're just getting started. In today's uh, episode, we've really looked at a, a few things, but mainly making sure that we're, we're pointing people to Jesus, making sure that we're involved, that we know the importance of what we're doing. And I know that as we go through this, uh, I think we're going to learn a lot together. If you want to contribute, if you want to kind of comment on anything that you've heard, uh, you know, write in. We, you can contact us right on Facebook. Uh, you can write on the post. Uh, we want to hear from you, and uh, we want to know what you think. So I'm Damon Matichera. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, please stay in touch. And until then, keep busy in the Great Commission. Take care, and God bless. <laughs>